It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello and welcome to Garibaldi Red Nottingham Forest podcast on Nottinghamshire Live. My name is Matt Davis and I'm joined with what I think is our first ever unchanged liner in 70 odd episodes of doing this <laughs> podcast. But by change, uh, a successful formula, I guess. So returning from last week is Red's legend Gary Bertels. Hello, Gary. How are you? Good morning. Yeah, good. Thank you. Good, good. And back again is Red's correspondent Sarah Clapson. Hello, Sarah. Are you well? Hello. I am, Matt. Are you? Yes. Not too bad. I've, as I was saying before, people who are listening won't care about this, but I've removed my beard and it, I've put weight on and it shows my chins. Uh, but the lighting on this laptop has gone dark, which is probably doing me a favour. So anyway, let's um, crack on and talk about Nottingham Forest. Uh, it wasn't to be a third win in a row, but they did pick up a point at Bristol City. Sarah, you went down uh, on the train. What did you uh, make of it? Yeah, I think they'll be frustrated for us that they didn't take all three points. Um, they played pretty well, absolutely dominated the first half. You'd never seen a more one-sided 45 minutes for a long time. I think Forrest had something like 80% of possession. And to get to the to get to half-time and not have scored a goal, they'd have been absolutely kicking themselves. Um, having said that, they didn't create too many clear-cut chances. That was the perhaps the disappointing thing. They had a lot of the ball, but didn't really test the goalkeeper, didn't really make um, Bristol City work as much as they should have done. Um, but that's the story of Forest season, really. We know where they're probably are we know where they've struggled and it was kind of the same old story they defensively they looked very solid and didn't really have too much to do in truth but up front they they just couldn't find a breakthrough they couldn't find a way of of testing Bristol City and, and getting a goal which they they would have deserved um, and to get three wins in on, on the bounce would have been fantastic I think a point on the road is still decent away from home you'd never say that's a bad result but they should have won it. They absolutely should have got three points. You know, we kind of summing up the season a bit there in a sense, Gary, that they've got solid defensive foundations, but that lack of cutting edge probably cost them on the day, do we think? Possibly. Again, I, you know, I'm not one for stats, but I always look on, uh, on my phone during the game to see you know, shots on target and things like that. And again, that was an impressive column. Uh, in the past, we've slaughtered them. Say, well, not slaughtered them, but said, "Well, only one shot on target. They've only had three shots in the whole game." But at least, uh, you know, they are creating more and getting in areas where, you know, they're, they're, they're causing problems for the opposition. I think you've got to put it into perspective a little bit as well. The results. I, I text Johnny Owen as I always do on match days, and said, "You know, how didn't we win that? You know, because of possession, shots, and everything." And he said, "Well, that's what, what a good sign that is." We wouldn't have thought we were saying, crikey, how did we not win that against Bristol City, you know, a couple of seasons ago? Mm. So I, I think that speaks volumes as well, where we're going to, as, as, a, as a squad at the moment under Chris, that we are saying things like that. And hopefully that boat uh, augurs well for next season. And hopefully with the, the signings we'll make, striker-wise especially, because you look around the Championship again, the strikers that have been making names for themselves during the season, keep doing it. You know, the ones who are around 20 goals a season, 
So that is obviously the place we've got to look. Chris knows that. And uh, hopefully we can get somebody in who's prolific and uh, will take the pressure off what is a really good defence at the moment. Yeah, is that the foundation, Sarah? Do we think that Houston's going to want for next season? Obviously, he's going to want to keep Worrell, but is this the has he hit on the back four that he probably would want for next season, do we think? Yeah, I think that that back four um, with, with Tyler Blackett at left back, Cyrus Christie at right back, and then Joe Worrell and Scott McKenna in the last two games, they've done really well. They've looked really good as a as a unit. Um, and that's definitely something to build on. We know that Chris Hewton places a lot of emphasis on making his teams defensively solid. Um, and that's a really good starting point. Uh, arguably, that's one of the... Forest have one of the strongest defences in the division in terms of the, the, that they don't give opposition teams a lot to work with. Um, the Warren McKenna partnership is absolutely key. They they have to keep that together for next year um, because that's those two together just look like they've they've got so much potential. You just want to see it. You just want to see them play a lot of games together. We've not really had the chance to do that this season because of injuries. Um, so next year. <laughs> They need to keep Joe Worrell in the summer and they need to to get those two starting regularly um, and build around them um, because that's the, the perfect base and the perfect foundation to build from. What about in front of them? It, it, it seems like Hewton, again, he's struck on the players that he likes. Yates and Garner seems to be, we know he likes Yates, seems to be the pair, Sarah. Is that what he wants? Obviously, we're on the same you know, parameters that they want Garner to come back and it looks difficult. But is that a, a pairing that would suit Forrest next season to, to lay that platform going forwards? Yeah, I think those two work really well. Um, James Garner just gets better every week. Some of his passing is just incredible. He, he sprays the ball about and picks people out and gets Forrest going forward as well. He's got that kind of that impetus to, to want to push on which perhaps Ryan Yates didn't have as much of but he offers a lot in um, in other areas um, I thought Yates did really well again on, on Saturday um, he works so hard he, he puts himself about he throws himself in front of everything if there's a shot coming in he'll, he'll throw his body in the way and he'll, he'll make tackles and he'll run and he'll, he'll try and break up play and then James Garner offers something a bit different he's a bit more composed and, and, and calm on the ball and can get Forrest going forward and that balance between the two of them really, uh, works really well. Forrest do have other options, obviously midfield they've got like, somewhere they've got, um, they're well stocked in terms of players and I'm sure it's somewhere they'll look to cut numbers in the summer because they've got far too many. They're, you know, you can have too many options and that's definitely something that they've got in midfield at the moment. If they can get James Garner back for next year, then that would be that would be the, a brilliant bit of business, I think. Um, I know we've said before it looks tricky, but they've got to try. They've got to push the boat out and try to get him back if they can, because that would be a that would be a great starting point. Mm, true, true. Uh, if you've got any questions for Gary or Sarah, we're streaming live on Facebook, so do drop them in and we'll put them to them as we go along. I, I just um, think that they complement each other really well, don't they? Uh, what Yates does gives Garner the opportunity to do what he does best, you know, which is create, get forward, join in. And when you've got somebody like that in your team, as Garner would would know, he can go forward with freedom. You know, not thinking, "Oh, I've got to get back here because you know my mate's going to be holding my back." And you, and that's a great partnership to have. And we've got a partnership at the back where there are two genuine leaders, you know, McKenna and Worrell. And now you've got two midfielders who complement each other well. You've got a goalkeeper who's possibly the best in the league still. 
and but up front it's still you know the one place that we don't look competent enough to cause teams consistent problems and I think everybody can see that that spine of the team now with Garner in there and Yates you know forming that partnership you you look beyond that and if you get that right then next season you've got something to look forward to but again I've been reading papers Garner I think he's attracting a lot of attention there'll be maybe even Premier League teams you know were looking to to take him on board but I just hope that him and his agency what Forrest have done for him and say right you know you've done really well here you're learning you're getting regular football you might not if you go to so and so uh, in the Premier League and hopefully you know Joe Worrell can see the potential under Chris for next season. That, that's what we've all got to hope for. One um, thing on Yates I was going to ask you about, Gary. I, I'm a big fan of his, and I've often said that on here. One kind of weakness or question mark against him, I think, apart from missing headers, which are quite easy to score, um, is his performances Says against... He's the, sitting the, there all nicely in the studio with his beard shaven off. It's, it's, <laughs> which, are easy to, which are easy to score. Let me let me tell you, it's never never easy to score because I'll tell you why. Yeah, it looks easy, but when you're looking for the flight of the ball and the pace of the ball is coming in, it could take a minute deflection off somebody and make you look a right idiot. So sometimes, you know, you don't see these little nuances. So I'll defend him in that that respect. So yes, some of the ones you think, well, yeah, he should have scored, he should have scored, but not all the time. You know, flights of balls. You think the defender's going to get there and get a touch, and he doesn't. You you try and accommodate for that and make yourself look a bit daft. So, you know, rein it in a bit on him. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is why you're here. This is you're the expert expert <laughs> view. Um, for asking further for your expert view, is Yates? Um, is he does he deliver against the top sides in the championship? We've seen him struggle against the Norwich Springs to mind and. Not a, did he get hooked at Waterford as well? Uh, is he quite good enough at this stage of his career to to get you promoted, or, or, or has he got more work to do? It's a learning curve for him, without a doubt, and you will learn from these these games you play. But let me tell you, everybody struggles against Norwich. You know, Norwich are the team that are just taking everybody apart. You know, the most consistent team, even when they're winning one nil, they don't look like they're going to concede. Yeah, they seem to be able to hang on to that one nil lead. Uh, they, they, they seem to have every, you know, position okay. Every every scenario is okay with them. They very rarely get beat at the moment. And you know, he's he's been thrown in there this season. He's had a bit of criticism, um, but I, I think it it is a, a massive learning curve for anybody, whether it's the Premier League, whether it's Championship. When you come into a side desperate to do well, and if you're not getting regular football, which he wasn't. That's difficult then to maintain a standard that is going to impress people because Chris was having to change things around. He was having to have a look at you know players in all the positions and it's never easy for him to do that coming in with so many players to have a look at and actually put them into a first-team scenario in the championship. So I think now he's got his team in his mind and Yates seems to be part of that and that will give him massive confidence, and you can only grow from that. Um, you know, I, I was watching the. I don't know if you watched the Masters last night. The lad who finished second, he's twenty-four, first Masters. You know, he went in there, 
and he's improved through the four rounds, you know, and feels part of it. And you, in any sport, you've got to have that time in there to feel part of it and watch, watch, watch what's going on around you and learn from others and take things on board that people tell you. And I think he'll do that. And it looks like he is improving, without a doubt. Um, in front of goal, that will come. You know, that, that will come. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, as I said, it's just that upfront problem we have uh, that needs to be really assessed. And it's never easy to get the right strikers in because they cost a lot of money. And you have to pay them a lot of money because they do the hardest job in the business, which is score goals. So you've got to look hard. You've got to look and say, right, do we take a chance on somebody or do we go for recognised? I'd rather take a chance on somebody because you look at the ones in the championship who teams have taken a chance on from maybe lower leagues and they're, they're scoring for fun. You know, to get the right service, people say, well, at the lower levels, yeah, they'll score goals. But if you get the right service, as any striker will tell you, you will score goals at any level, I would think. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see how that progresses and, you know, who they bring in, who they release. It's, it's going to be very interesting. Um, we've had some questions and Gary's led nicely into one of them, which I'll ask you both. Um, Phil Malpas asks, um, if Hassan Belong is available as a free agent, which I think he would be, his contract's running out in Middlesbrough, would you like to see him back? Does he fit into a Chris Hewton team, Sarah, or not? He's uh, he's a goal scorer, isn't he, Brett Sombolongo? He's um, he's done it throughout his career, wherever he's gone, and we know what his record was when he was at Forest. Um, I just think you shouldn't... Going back to somewhere you've been before doesn't always work out. I think... Gary did it. Yes, yeah, yep. it doesn't always. <laughs> um, that, that would be my only... Um, that would be my only thing about it. But, I mean, he's a goal scorer, isn't he? So, How old is he now, just as a matter of fact? Uh, I shall have a look. I think he's about 28, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I would say late 20s. But he's, he's not been getting regular football there, has he? No. Well, my no. gripe with him, or my query with him, is whether he could play that lone striker role, back to goal, or, you know, work the line enough, whether he is, or does he need a strike partner? I don't know. Um, he's 28. What do you think about Sombolonga coming back, Harry? Uh, I was always a fan of his, you know, when he when he was uh, at Forest. You know, it, they took a chance on him. It worked. Um, ooh, it's, it's a really difficult one with that. Um, it, it's about it's all about desire. How, would he have the desire to keep you know come back now and uh, you know put his lot in for Forest? Uh, maybe you go fresh and go for somebody totally different. And what will Chris play, you know, with the people he brings in next season? What system will he play? Will he stick with the same system? Um, that'll be interesting as well, you know, because you have to be in a position next season to compete at the top of the division instead of being an also-ran and, and struggling. And to do that, you might have to tweak things. You might have to change things um, because one thing doesn't always work, you know, the same thing because teams get used to it, especially in the modern game. You know, they look at things inside out and, um, you know, if you're predictable a little bit in your system, then teams find you out. So it's going to be one of the most interesting summers for a few seasons now. And if if Chris gets it right and keeps the players we want to keep, then, you know, we've got a lot to look forward to, I think, next season. But never easy for a manager to get the right players in. If he gets the right players in 
everybody says, yeah, brilliant. If you get the wrong ones in, you get slaughtered. You know, that that's the downside of being a manager. But uh, they know that. And we, we just have to hope that we see one or two strikers come in. I'm always one for, you know, young, bright, you know, intelligent. But they're not easy to come by. You can get maybe on loan. Um, and do you keep Glenn Murray because of his age? You know, does Taylor stay? Because he's not really been, you know, number one. Is Lewis Graben going? We've mentioned this before. You've got those three strikers there who we don't know the future of. You know, so if you, all three of them disappear, you've got to then replace them very quickly with quality. So that is, again, another interesting point to debate. I'd like to see them bring a younger striker in, I think. they This year, they've had all three. I mean, they're all the wrong side of 30, if you like. So I think if they brought somebody in a bit younger and hungrier to go with either one or, or however many of those three are left, I think that would work better. They've kind of gone down the experience route. Just if they can find somebody in the lower divisions that's got a lot of potential, that's got the best years ahead of them, that that has got room to, to grow and develop, I think I'd go down that route, I think. Well, I'll tell you what, Sarah, it'd be interesting. The, the teams at the top, the teams that miss out on promotion, look at their strikers. You know, if Reading miss out, you know, look at the boy uh, Reading. Because... Reading, if they miss out, they're going to struggle to keep players, I would think. No disrespect. And then Forest becomes a very much better opposite, uh, proposition than maybe somewhere else because they can see Chris Hewton's in charge. They can see the potential. They can see the owners. They can see you know the football club as a whole. And hopefully, you know, agents will tell them that and that might attract uh, because Chris will attract players because of mm. his track record. And I would be looking at that very seriously, the teams that miss out. And if their strikers don't want to stay at that particular club, then, you know, go for them. Mm. You know, mm. you know, break the bank a little bit. Because I think that's what you need to do. I think you need to break the bank to get that quality in there to be able to compete. Yeah, some of the names coming up. I mean, people are saying Luke Jeffcott from Gregor and Richard Ottaway. So Corey Woodrow, he's done very well at uh, Barnsley. Lawrence Shanklin's what's the word perennially linked with Forest, I should say. So yeah, someone like that maybe. I mean, one player I was going to ask about Gary. Quickly, Matt, the, the boy at West Ham who scored at the weekend um, against Leicester, who was at Hull, was he? Can't Jared Bowen. Bowen. Yeah, Bowen. I mean, they took a chance with him. And he's come mm. in and, and you know done a great job. He got man of the match, you know, on, on against Leicester City. So, you know, it's about taking chances sometimes. Um, Gary mentioned Lyle Taylor there. I think there was some kind of um, conjecture about whether he would have been in the squad at Bristol City, but for Amiobi's injury, and he he got on the pitch. But uh, is he on? The, does he feel like he's on the way out, Sarah? It doesn't feel like the same Lyle Taylor that we had at the start of the season where he was hustling and bustling and making life difficult for defenders. Is is his star waning a bit, do you think? Yeah, I think you'd have to say there's a bit of a question mark about his future. He's been third choice at times this season. I know he obviously came on on Saturday, but previously Glenn Murray's come on ahead of him. Um, Lewis Graben has, has been first choice when he's fit. Um, and then it's a battle between um, Murray and Taylor to provide backup from the bench and Chris Houston seems to have favoured Glenn Murray I, I guess perhaps because he knows him a bit better as well that probably counts for something but I don't think Lyle Taylor's 
made the impact that it was hoped he would when he signed in the summer. Um, he's, he's top goal scorer or joint top goal scorer with Lewis Graben, but but both of them have only got four goals, I think, in the league this season, which isn't a great return. And, it, you know, you need somebody, if you're going to go up, if you're going to challenge for the top six, you need to be getting a lot more goals than that. Um, I think it is going to be interesting to see what they do in terms of the strikers over the summer. I'm not sure, I'm not sure I would offer it, Glenn Murray an, a, another deal now. I think earlier in the season when he, he came in and he made a big impact initially, I, I, I thought, well, you know, why not? Why not see if you can keep him on in some kind of capacity? But I think he, he's still got something to offer. He's still obviously, his fitness levels are good, but I'm not sure he's what Forrest need if they're going to challenge for a place in the top six. I think I would rather use the money you would spend on his wages to look elsewhere, to bring in other players and to provide other attacking options. I think he can still offer somebody something, but for Forrest, I don't, I don't think I would... Personally, I don't think I would offer him a new deal. What would you do, Gary? He's a, a veteran striker who's had a good career. Do you do you think maybe it's time to to let him go or is he worth another shot, Glenn Murray? I, I, I like him. I, I've, I've heard a lot of good things about his attitude, um, you know, off the pitch as well. And and that sometimes counts for a hell of a lot. Um, but how many games is he going to play? You know, that that's the problem. Can you afford to have him, you know, play a couple of games and sit on the bench for three or four uh, instead of bringing somebody else in? You know, you come to an age, an age in your career where you have to accept that maybe, you know, it's time to move on. You know, he's, is he 30, 38, you say? Coming up 38. 38, yeah. yeah. I mean, you look at Ibrahimovic, you know, he's probably an exception to rule. Ronaldo... You know as well, but they they they're keeping going at the moment, but but that that's at a higher level. They're playing with you know a lot better players, so it it makes it a little bit easier in those situations. Uh, your body tells you when you need to pack in, um, but I, I I'm with you, Sarah. I I, I want to go with the younger options now. I think you need pace. And I, I feel, I keep saying this about Lyle Taylor, I feel a little bit sorry for him because as a striker, I know you need to play consistently to have an impact in any division, no matter what, you know, it's non-league or whether it's the Premier League. If you don't, I mean, look at Jesse Lingard. That, there's a case in point. Wasn't getting any game time at Manchester United. Goes to West Ham. He's, he's being loved. He's playing every game. And look at the, the benefits that he's providing for West Ham. They're in a Champions League place now. You know, a lot of it down to him. You know, they uh, they they got Antonio, who Forrest had. You know, they we took a chance on Antonio all those years ago. Um, so it is about game time, especially for strikers, more than any other position. And he's not been getting that. So I feel for him in, in that respect. And, you know, you can lose it in your mind a little bit because you feel aggrieved that you're not playing you're seeing maybe the players out there, they're not scoring either. And you're thinking, well, you can do a better job, but you're not being given a chance. And that can get to you a little bit. And it can affect you in training, maybe, subconsciously. You might think it's not affecting you, um, but there's nothing worse. Well, I, I don't know. There's nothing worse than sitting on your backside on a bench every week. I, throughout my career, I was lucky enough not to do that. Um, but I would think that is one of the worst things. I'd have hated it. You know, no matter where I played. Um, so, in that respect, and I think the system might not suit him that Forrest have played. Um, it doesn't suit everybody. 
it, it, you know, it suits somebody. What Lyle Taylor does, he does a lot of work. He chases things down. He puts in a lot of effort, which takes it out of you when you're up there by yourself. Lewis Graben's a different player. He doesn't do that. You know, he's one of the players who will lurk around the box, and if the quality's good, you know, he's a predator in that respect. Whereas Lyle Taylor does all, you know, a lot of good work outside the box. So, you know, the comparison between the two is is difficult to make. Um, but I, I would just go for total freshness up front um, because four goals and four or whoever's top scorer, we've, we've joked about the own goal situation. It's not good enough. Pure and simple, not good enough. To have nobody in double figures, with how many games do we play? 46 games in a season? Hmm. I mean, that, that is incredibly poor by any standards. Um, and to be where we are with that goal count, we've done particularly well. It just shows you the rest of the team are doing a really good job, defensively-wise, you know, midfield-wise. But if we had that up front, if we had that goal scorer or another goal scorer, you know, things could be so much better. And Reading approved it. You know, we, we keep going on about these teams at the top. They prove it because they've got goal, people who score goals. And that's why they're there in, in contention and we're, you know, sort of mid-table. Um, we should talk about the supply line, I guess. Um, Sarah, I saw your ratings at the weekend and Knockhart seemed to disappoint when he came into the team. Where where are you at on Anthony Knockhart at the moment? Talk to us about that. Yeah, it was his, it was his chance, wasn't it, on Saturday? He's not started a game for a few weeks now. Um, obviously came in while Sami Amiobi was injured and you were hoping he was going to grasp it with both hands and really impress and really try and make an impact and try and create something. But he showed, I think the the thing with Anthony Knockout is he's, he's, he's got quality. He can make nice touches. He can play nice passes. He can pull out all the tricks and, and showboat. But the end product hasn't been there. That's been the frustrating thing. He's not created as many chances or scored as many goals or, or weighed in with as many assists as somebody with his talent should do I think he, that's that's what he's been lacking and that's what Forest need they whoever they play up front at the minute is struggling because they haven't got players creating many chances for them and somebody like Anthony Knockart that's what he's in the team for he's there to try and and help the strikers and, and give them something to work from and I don't think he particularly did that on Saturday I think that was his real chance to make an impression and if if Chris Hutton is in two minds about what he wants to do with him next season, I think he'll have looked at that and thought, I'm not sure he, he's really put himself forward. Um, I guess a lot of it will come down to money um, and how much he would cost, what his wages will be like. But I think Forrest need to, they need to get, I said it over the weekend, they need to get more bang for their book. Then if they're going to spend a lot of money on somebody, you need to make sure that they're going to, have an well, end product. I'll tell you what, Sarah, you, the, the, I'll give the comparison with Garner and Knockart. There's end product in Garner mm. and Knockart. I mentioned this last time. It wasn't my stats. Yeah, I was listening to the game and it was, a, I think, a Sky game. 28, 28 games, two goals, one assist from Knockart. I mean, that just isn't good enough. And yes, I agree with you. He has the ability. But I think at times... He gets it totally wrong in good positions. He gets in really excellent positions in his decision-making in that final mm. third. For me, is just dreadful at times. He, I think it's all about him at times, you know, what he's going to do instead of, you know, bringing players in, you know, to create things for them. 
You know, he tries too much to go maybe himself instead of picking the right pass for somebody else. And, you know, you, you can't afford to, to keep having that. He was brought in to be a cre- creative element. He looks exciting when he gets around the box. I think that maybe confuses people a little bit because they think, oh, look what he's doing. Look, the tricks, the stepovers. But then you go beyond that, there's not a great deal there or hasn't been so far. And, um, you know, I, I was lucky enough to play with, you know, you go back to, I have to go back because you, you, Robertson, O'Neill, you know, Bowyer, Gemmell, people like that. Yeah, there is a different league, but you always knew you were going to get something off them, that they were going to create something for you. And even at Grimsby, when I, I went to Grimsby, I'll, I'll go to the bottom league. I ended up at Grimsby. Um, and Alan Buckley phoned me the other day out of the blue because he, he heard what was going on. Uh, it was great to hear from him. And we went through the team and we had two wingers, little David Gilbert, Gary Childs, and we had two absolute powerhouses in midfield, John Cockrell and Sean Cunnington. And my word, did they spread the goals between them? And that was at that league. It was just a delight to play in that team because you knew that, and you had Keith Alexander up front at that particular point. And the creation in that team was just incredible. They made the right decisions at that level. It's about making the right decisions. And uh, I, I just don't think he makes the right decisions at times. If um, if uh, Knockout's kind of curve is going downwards at the moment, Mitens seems to be the one that's going up amongst the wingers. He hit the post again at the weekend. Uh, Greg Oram asks, um, how important will he be next season? What, what do you think to Greg's question, Sarah? Yeah, I'd like to set it for a lot this season. I'd like to see him get a real run in the team. Um, I hope he's a he has a bigger influence next season. I think he's really exciting. He offers a lot. He, he's got a lot to learn, but he's got bags of potential. Um, I'd like to see him get a run in the team and, and really stamp his authority on it. I think these last few games could be a good chance for him to do that and put himself in the frame to be a, a regular starter next season. He's still young. I think that's something that you, we tend you tend to forget a little bit and you have to bear in mind when you, you're kind of thinking about his development, he has still got a lot to learn and he, he's still got, um, he's still a bit rough around the edges in areas, but he's got, he's so good when he's getting forward and trying to create things and creating problems and he's got pace. That's something that a lot of players in that Forest team haven't got at the moment and he, he just offers something a bit different. So, Hopefully he plays a bigger part next year. Um, Forrester have got quite, got quite a few younger players that have been out on loan that will come back and the summer will be a chance for Chris Hewton to have a look at and assess them and see where he thinks they can fit in, whether he thinks they can be in and around the first team squad or whether they would benefit from another year on loan. Um, I think there's a, I'd like to see a few of them get a, a real chance. Brennan Johnson, he, he continues to do very well at, at Lincoln. Um uh, hopefully he comes back and he gets a go next season. Um, I know it was very close to whether Forrest brought him back in January. Um, they decided in the end it was it was better for his development to stay at Lincoln. But just hope that in the summer, Chris Uton has a, a good look at him and thinks he's good enough to push for a place in the team next year. And there's a few, few of the younger players, I think, that will hope they're in with a shout of doing that. Do you worry about putting too many young players in a team, Gary? Are you going to tell me if they're you know, good enough, they're old enough? Who, who said that you, you win nothing with youngsters? Was that Alan Hansen? <laughs> Alan Hansen. All those years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you've got to get the balance right. Uh, you look at Norwich, they've got a young team. We mentioned this last last time we did the podcast. 
um you know so it works for them it doesn't work for everybody and um that's another thing you have to assess with with the summer coming up in who you're going to buy and who you're going to get rid of that again is the the one big dilemma for me how many players will want to go and you know will forest have to pay them off to go um because they'll be on good money and they'll probably want to stay um so that again is another point to look at over the summer um I think you've got to, in certain areas, you can maybe afford to put younger players in where Mighton plays. I think it's a no-brainer because he frightens people. In that position he plays, he frightens people. Sometimes, you know, if you put them in defensively um, and they make mistakes, then they can get slaughtered, If you know, when they're young. And that, that can be um, a negative influence on them. So I think you've got to look at everybody's development because everybody's development doesn't come at the same time. Um, you know, you, you can mature at 18 or you can mature at 21. You know, not everybody is the same uh, in that respect. So that that's all down to managers again. Um, it's a squad game. It has to be a squad game. And, you know, players, it's keeping them happy. That That's the biggest problem for managers, keeping people happy when you've got a big squad. Um, I think you, you've just got to go out and say, right, I'm going to pick my 11. I'm, I'm going to bring these people in. That's going to be my 11. And I've got a very good backup if need be. Uh, and that's all you can do. It's basic. You know, that is, that is basic, you know, to, to try and win football ma- matches, to try and get yourself in contention. Um, Mighton, you know, excites me, you know, when he gets on the ball. He's one of those who, you know, he gets you out your seat at times because, I'm thinking of I'm watching the defender, the panic in the defender's eyes when he picks the ball up. He backs them off. You know, he, he forces them into mistakes. He forces them into rash challenges. And he's getting more and more confident the more games he gets. Um, if he can, you know, produce the quality, the end product that we're, we're talking about, then even better. But, you know, the maturity is showing, I think, is, is pretty good at the moment. Mm. Um Jonathan Shanahan raises a really interesting name I'd not considered. Would you like to see Ollie Burke brought back? I mean, he's had a terrible few years, but he thrived at Forest and he's 24, so he's still of a young enough age. Sarah, he, I mean, in theory, he could fit in out wide or up front, or as his, you know, uh, as he lost too much that he wouldn't be worth bringing back now. And what would still, Forest would have to still put their hands in their pockets quite substantially, wouldn't they? Yeah, I feel really sorry for, for Oliver Burke. Um, it's just not happened for him, has it, since he left Forest? He's had a, a really tough few years and he's tried a few different moves and they've not really come off to the extent that, that he would have liked, I'm sure. Um, I think he's still a really talented player. I think he, he, he forgot how young he was, actually. I thought he was a bit older than that. But you'd hope that wherever he goes, he'll. I think it's his confidence as much as anything. He seems, because he's been moved around these last few years and he's not really been able to show what he's about his confidence is bound to have taken a bit of a hit um I think he's a good player I I don't think I would bring him back to Forrest what I would say is I I think Forrest let him go too soon if he'd stayed there if he'd stayed at the city ground for a few years instead of um, leaving when he did I think we'd have seen better from him um but again that's looking at hindsight and you know you can't can't change the past but I don't think I would bring him back now um I think I, w- I would perhaps look at elsewhere, but somebody like what he could offer would, would be perfect. Somebody like him 
when he was who showed what he did when he was first at Forest. You know, that's the kind of player that you're looking at. Um, I hope he does go and, and find his best form, Oliver Burke, because I, I think he's got potential. What's your take on that, Gary? Because you, well, you've I, had good moves and bad, haven't you, in, in your well, career? We, yeah, we were talking about um, bringing youngsters in. Uh, the age he was when he went where he did, uh, I think he got bad advice. Mm. I think, like Sarah said, he'd have been far better staying at the city ground, um, learning his trade, as Brian Cluffy used to say. Um, and when you go somewhere else at an early age and it doesn't work for you, that can't off not your confidence. I mean, I went to Manchester United, as, as everybody knows. Um, but what a lot of people don't realise, I got a bad injury that... Um, well, it wasn't really an injury. It was a stress fracture of the pelvis uh, that Ray Wilkins had before me at Manchester United. And you, could, you couldn't do anything. All you could do is walk. You couldn't drive a car. You weren't allowed to do anything. And I was out for sort of two, three months so it could heal. And then you lose, you know, you lose things and then you try and get back in. You've got to do another pre-season. So that was a, a big part of, you know, my... Uh, demise at Manchester United but you know when I got in there and I didn't score I can remember playing against Manchester City and a ball came across at a really bad height and I tried to control it rather than just try and force it over you know hit it first time and the goalkeeper came out and blocked it and Seamus McDonough was in goal I played against Everton I curled it round him hit the outside of the post and all those things build up against your confidence uh, as a younger younger player and I think that was a big part of it but you know, sometimes it can be a help going through adversity. You know, uh, if, you, if you're strong-minded and you've got good teammates around you, uh, it can help you. And luckily, you know, I came back to Forest, scored on my debut, and it was like I'd never been away. Um, but it doesn't, doesn't always happen. We, you know, we look at um, Ben Brereton as well. You know, he was another one who you think he was going to be, you know, excellent. Then, you know, he, he got played out of position. Then he went and didn't really get... The, the chances he was promised at Blackburn. And it can knock your confidence as a young player. It really can. And sometimes, you know, agents, yeah, the Brian Clough always said they'd, be, they'd kill the game. And in a way, he was right. Um, because sometimes maybe they, they look after themselves more than they look after the player. And I think that's a problem. You know, players will look listen to their agents and uh, sometimes get it wrong. So, uh, yeah, it's it, it's a really difficult one, bringing Ollie Burt back in. How low is his confidence? Will he ever regain it? Can he play at a high level? You look at Matty Cash, I think he went at the right time to Aston Villa. You know, he learned his trade uh, at Forest and, you know, looked very good there. That's why he was bought by Aston Villa and he's he, he's been successful this season. So every, everybody's different, but I think, you know, Ollie Burt went too early from Forest and it's affected him. I like that idea, actually. I think it could be a good one in terms of a powerful, pacey runner. I think that's what Forrest are lacking. Like Sarah said, maybe if they don't go for him, that's the yeah. Linford Chris, Lin Christie was a powerful runner, but he, he couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. <laughs> We're not talking about signing Linford Christie. Talking about signing Ollie Burke. <laughs> no, no, but I'm saying you, you can you, you can be as good a runner as you like, but. You know, you can't put it in the net and you're not confident enough to do it. You know, what's the good in having a strong, powerful runner? No, well, that's what, I was, that's what we're debating his confidence. Yeah, you know, I can yeah. keep Usain Bolt, but, you know, I could score more goals than him. Well, he was a decent footballer by all accounts. Yeah, yeah, not quite decent enough to play at that level, I think. Um, a, a player you're a big fan of, Gary, that I was going to go on to is Sammy Amiobi. Um, 
do we feel like he's done enough now to get a new contract, Gary? My, I, had, I had my queries about, you know, I had my, you know, I wasn't too sure about him at first. I thought, again, he was a player who he seemed to get in good positions. Uh, he seemed to play well for 65 minutes or whatever, but the other, the <clears> other <throat> minutes of the game weren't particularly um, impressive. But then I've grown on. You know, he's grown on me a little bit because I think he's learned. He's, he's learning and learning still. You, you're never too old to learn in this game, and I think he's he's probably listening. He's getting decent advice. He's listening to that advice, and he's going out on the pitch and he, he's he's providing. You know, he looks a threat again. You know, every time like Mighton does when he picks the ball up, you, you see defenders all of a sudden think, "Oh, we could be in trouble here." And that's what you want the opposition to feel. You want to feel that, you know, danger from what he does. And you want to see defenders thinking, oh, my word, he's got it at his feet again. You know, because I think he's capable of going inside, outside, and he will deliver crosses and he will create for people. So I, I would I would certainly look at giving him a contract, yeah. Um, Sarah, one player I was going to ask you about before we move on to um, the last few topics is Sam Bissau is the other out-of-contract player we haven't mentioned in the last few weeks. Obviously, he's a, a good player and Forest do seem to be better with him in this, the side or the squad. But have you reached a stage now that Forrest kind of just have to let him go because of his injury record and the fact he's going to take up a, a slice of the wage bill? Yeah, I think it would... <laughs> He's a, he's probably still a good player, Sambasal. We haven't seen a lot of him this year, and even since he's recovered from injury. Um, I I think with his his injury record, the fact he's he's a little bit older, um, he's been a great find for Forest. I think you'd have to say that they they got a, a really they did a really good bit of business when they signed him. Um, but I, I don't think I would offer him a new deal. Um, I think they have still got quite a few midfielders um, and I, I think a few of them would be ahead of him in the pecking order, even if they don't manage to bring James Garner back. Um, I think you just need a, some fresh legs in there. You need a, you need, Sam Basel's, he's not got the same kind of years ahead of him as, as some of the other players. Um, you look at Jack Colback. I mean, he's, he came in last summer and he's, barely played this year again I know injury has been um, has hampered him but he he would be an option I think ahead of Sam Basau maybe for next season um, it, it would be a shame that we haven't seen a lot of him this year but you have to take sentiment out of decisions like that I think and um, yeah I'm, I'm sure he'll, he'll go with if he does go go with everybody's best wishes and, and everybody will think when he you know he's, he's had a, a good few years and um, served Forest well but Perhaps the time is right just to to let him go elsewhere. Set him free. Set him free. Um, mm. Gary, one for you. Uh, this is quite an interesting question that I hadn't thought of. You can only speak from personal experience from this, I guess. But Richard Otter asked, do players perform differently in April and May for contracts? Do we see some, You do sometimes see Matt Derbyshire springs to mind. Well, uh, I hope not. I sincerely hope not. I mean, I never did that. I, I just love playing football full stop. Um if you're in football just to impress in April and May, it's a disgrace for me. Mm. Uh, if you can't impress in, you know, the cold of November and December and January and you want to impress just to get a contract, you're not part of my team, never will be. Um, that, that's not acceptable in any standard of football um, to try and get a contract. It's, it's, it's cheating for me a little bit. 
Mm. If you can't mm. do it in the you know for a whole season, then you know don't do it at all. Go somewhere else. Um, let's just finish up the last few points. I want to put to you both, Sarah Forrester. Will you play Huddersfield on Saturday? Um, people kind of want to know when the game's going to be now because of Prince Philip's funeral. Have the club said anything yet? Do we have any indication on that? Uh, not yet, but I expect to find out pretty soon. Um, I would think. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see whether it it stays on um, on Saturday if they and they just move the time or if they move it to a different day. I imagine it's been a a logistical headache for for the league as a whole and, and all the authorities. So I, I'd expect to find out pretty soon on that one. Um, let's finish with some any other business because Gary wants to talk about. Well, I, I was going to say is VAR killing the football in the Premier League, but Gary, you want to talk about something else around VAR and what happened at the weekend? Yeah. It is killing the game a little bit because these lines they keep putting across and is his arm offside and all this. It, it, I feel sorry for referees in that respect because, you know, it's been taken away. Some of the decisions, it, it, it's good. But I, I'm, I'm talk, I want to talk about the McTominay one. Um, he'd been booked. He got a yellow card. And all the pundits said, well, it's not a foul. It's not a foul. The goal was disallowed. He was only it was just natural trying to ward somebody off. I don't think it was at all. I think he knew exactly what he was doing. It was petulance, and why he did it when he, he was already on the yellow card, I don't know. But he, he flicked out. You know, he didn't try and ward it off. There was a def, definite flick there. And if you raise your hands around the face, I've seen players get sent off for a little less than that in the past few years when that rule came in. He definitely meant to do it. He caught him in the face. Yes, he went down ridiculously. I mean, when we played, I was said told, never let your opponent know you're hurt, even if it's killing you. And I, I can remember being dumped on my backside by Willie Young when I played against Arsenal in my first game. And it hurt on the halfway line. And I just got up, smiled at him and, and sprinted past him. And I was quicker than Willie. And you, you, all of a sudden, you've got to turn around and try and, and get back and mark me. You know, so I just tried to distract him a little bit by doing that. You know, never show you hurt. And it was ridiculous how he went down writhing on the floor. But it was still petulance from McTominay. Because if you watch it, he flicks his hand on, on, on his face. Yes, it might not have caught him that badly, but how did he know it wasn't going to catch him but worse than it did? So in that respect, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but he shouldn't have done it. Sarah, do you have any other business? Anything about people cleaning their teeth in front of you on a train to Bristol <laughs> or anything like that? <laughs> yes, yeah, somebody did clean their teeth in front of me on a, a train. They pulled out an electric toothbrush on the way an to An electric Bristol, so. toothbrush. That's even worse, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not sure why. Um, not sure why you do it in the middle of a pandemic or, or in normal times. But yeah, there, there we go. That was, that was my train journey down to Bristol. Well, yeah, at least we're able to get back on trains and today we can get back in barbers and pubs. Um, so that might be on my agenda for later this <laughs> afternoon. The, the barber's not the pub. I don't think I can do that during work hours. But there you go. Thanks very much, everyone. We shall leave it there. Um, we shall be back this time next week, probably perhaps with the same two guests again, hopefully talking about a positive result for Forrest. Gary, thank you very much as ever. Hope you enjoyed uh, that. Pleasure. And Sarah, thanks very much to you. Thank you and we shall see everyone soon do give us a good rating on itunes if you enjoyed this and subscribe to our youtube channel hope everyone has a good week and we'll see you later thank you for listening to garibaldi red a nottingham forest podcast if you enjoyed today's episode then please let us know we love hearing your feedback we'll be back soon with another episode thanks for listening